Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to Life's Mountain West for our football podcast. We're previewing all 12 Mountain West teams marching along forward to the uh, start of the season. MWR.com, where you can start finding our previews, right? Matter, early adult coverage previews. And as you've done for the past many years, watch the season. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the lot impact trophy tends to come out way sooner than the rest. Um, if I if memory serves, most of the watch lists start coming out in earnest sometime in July. But you know, when your favorite team's players are going to be nominated for one honor or another, uh, we will make sure to keep you posted on that. Yeah, definitely got you covered. This is preview number three, correct? That it is. We've done Colorado State, San Diego State. Now we're on to Wyoming. Who this will be? A, let's get right into it. Like we always do, Matt. We're just getting into the previews here. There is a, a lot lost, but a lot coming back. This team, one of the questions we'll get to have already been asked, is this the toughest non-conference schedule mm-hmm. for Craig Bull? I can think, can we just say yes right now, seems like? Um, Up I there? Don't know if I, I don't know if I necessarily agree. With Craig, I mean, with Craig Bull's if, schedule, though? If you look at how Wyoming's non-conference schedule in particular have unfolded since Bull has been there, they've tended to challenge themselves quite a bit. Um, but I mean, I, I could think of at least one year, I think it was uh, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, where they, they got thumped by both Missouri and Washington state, the latter of whom I think ended up as a top 10 team, um, that season. So, I mean, sure. on that, on that case, um, I'm going to say no, because, and, and this, we'll talk about it more when we get to the schedule, which is not to say that there's any gimmies on this year's schedule. Um, but on the top end, it may not be quite as tough as it has been in years past. Okay, I think okay, maybe their question was not as thinking about as well because last year didn't they play Purdue and Missouri as well last year? Was that them or was that Nevada? Uh, last year they played uh, Missouri, Texas State, Tulsa, and one other team who escapes me right now. I'll say this about the schedule: it's sneaky tough and non-conference for people who are. Oh yeah. So we'll yeah. get we'll get to that in a minute. Should we just start um, quarterbacks? We start offense at the beginning. Well, you typically take a look back at 2019 before we do that. Sure, I'm jumping ahead, but go for it. Last year was pretty good, right? 
Well, it's, you know, we you mentioned a minute ago that we talked about San Diego State. And when you look back at the kind of season Wyoming had, you can kind of see some similarities between what the Aztecs accomplished and what the Cowboys were able to accomplish. Not Which is not to say they're one-to-one, mm-hmm. but, you know, you look back and you see that it was a successful season, but you can't help but imagine what kind of season they had. They, they could have had if they weren't fighting with one hand tied behind their backs, as it were. You mean both hands since they run the ball the whole time? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and to kind of to lay that point out there, you know, they're they're split by SP plus for for instance, wasn't quite as extreme as the Aztecs were, but they were definitely a team that was carried by its defense more often than not. You know, nationally they finished thirty third by defensive SP plus, which was the second best figure in the conference behind San Diego State, but like the Aztecs, they also finished in the triple digits offensively, one hundred eighth nationally. And, you know, you look at November in particular, where, you know, the defense continued playing very strong, you know, they had very strong play all season long, but there was a four game stretch in November where the offense only averaged 4.3 yards per play. And that pretty much killed their chances to compete for the division crown. Well, and And for those five losses overall were by one score or less. 15 points combined. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you look at... You know, the number of players that ultimately got exposure last year, I think it was Bill Connolly who noted that they had 45 starters overall. And that includes 30 freshmen and sophomores who played at least 100 snaps. And when you go and look at this year's roster, you only see 11 seniors and one or two grad transfers. So, you know, yeah, was last year frustrating? Definitely. But, you know, this is the team that still won seven games, eight games. They're still in a position to continue competing mm-hmm. and maybe more so than any either of the other teams that we've talked about to this point. You know, they're young and hungry and perhaps most reflective of the kind of program that Craig Bowl and company have tried to build in Laramie. And one note too, when we move into twenty twenty, those in November they didn't have Sean Chambers. And that they lost too. they lost three of the four games. All still winnable games had they would have won. Had what say Levi Williams played over Tyler Vandewall before, or even Sean mm-hmm. Chambers been back? I would say maybe not the Air Force game because that was really tough for them, losing by fourteen. But had they had Chambers, they could have won two of those games. Like they they lost to Boise State in overtime. Like they tossed State both road games as well. Which you got to play them where you got to play them. But they were an injury factor, even with them being the run first guy. Chambers, as we'll get to, he ran the offense extremely well despite throwing it at the level of an academy. and Yeah, and, and Chambers was really only the highest profile name to get injured. Like, if you go and mm-hmm. look back at all the guys who either missed some time or a significant part of the season, you know, Chambers is obviously the headliner, but, you know, Trey Smith and Titus Swen in the backfield were both lost to season-ending injuries. Three different offensive linemen got banged up and missed time throughout the season. And despite all of that, you know, as, as you know, it, yeah, they were still in the triple digits by SP plus, but on a per drive basis, the offense still did improve from where they did, um, you know, from where they were in 2018. Well, that's it was still slightly below average, but they were at 2.15 points per drive, which was 75th nationally, which isn't too bad. So, you know, when you consider all those guys are coming back and if you assume that fingers crossed, they'll be able to stay a little healthier than they were last year. You know, again, you're talking about a unit, you know, that's you're talking about an offense that maybe it doesn't have the kind of top end talent that some of the other programs in the conference have. 
but they might be deeper than just about anybody else in the conference if they can stay healthy. Yeah, it's like even you mentioned all the guys coming back, or not coming back, but I mean the, um, what am I thinking the right word of? Seniority on the roster experience, yeah. I should say. They've been around for these teams that have been good. So all these guys that graduated that we'll talk about, like Logan Wilson, um, Albert, and all these guys who moved on, they got drafted, cashed in the NFL, they were around when the team was garbage. Like we talked to them years ago when Logan Wilson was, Wilson was the true freshman starter, they were terrible, and we always wondered, well, are they going to be good next year just because they all played? It ended up being the case. It got better every year. But yeah. these guys haven't, which you could say something for being on a bad team than proving yourself and getting better, but they've been on a team that's been good enough. These guys have played behind everybody. They're now going to get their chance to actually play. And they've already been on teams that know how to win, know how to play well, know what to expect. And will there be some drop-off? Probably. They lost two guys in the NFL draft. So like mm-hmm. they're likely to take some step back, but it's not going to be huge. But then being around a team that's uh, – there's also something to be said for being around a team that always wins and performs well, or at least wins at a above-average level. And so these guys coming back, that's something to say, like, okay, we know what we're doing. We may not be Logan Wilson, but we'll be hopefully nearly as good 85% of him or whatever mm-hmm. position you're taking over, and we'll be just fine. So then, you know, turning our attention to quarterback in particular, then, you know, Sean Chambers has been productive when he's been healthy. But at the same time, I mean, there's the obvious questions of, well, when is he going to improve as a passer? Because as, as much as I hate to say it, you know, two years in and, and roughly a full season's worth of starts under his belt, you know, he's starting to, to look a little bit like Armani Rogers out there at UNLV, where, you know, yes, for what they ask him to do running the football, he's one of the best in the conference at doing that. But at some point, you have to be able to throw the football. And, you know, completing you know 43 percent of his passes is just not going to get it done and yeah. you know despite but despite that like when he does connect on passes they've shown that the passing game can be pretty dynamic you know it, the the 7.6 yards per attempt that he allowed or excuse me that he um you know accumulated rather was you know roughly average i think in the conference's quarterbacks and he did have seven touchdowns against three interceptions so it wasn't like he was mistake prone but it's just one of those things where, you know, you assume he's probably going to have the inside track to being the starter again. Maybe. And he's probably going to be pushed by Levi Williams every step of the way, you know, primarily because I, I would say that Williams didn't necessarily look overwhelmed in, in the bowl game as a starter. But, or Air Force. You know, that's, but that's going to be the one thing to watch is whether it's Chambers, whether it's Levi Williams, just in terms of like completion rate and you know, efficiency, this was one of the worst passing offenses in the country. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be incumbent, I think, on one of those guys to take a step forward and, and be the guy to resolve that issue. And one thing to note, what Chambers would have been, if had there been a typical spring, he would have been cleared, but not wasn't going to play very much. Yeah. So does that get serious? So what that would have done, had given Chambers, or not, not Chambers, Williams, Levi Williams, a lot more to work with, running with the first team off, offense. They're probably going to pass a bit more, despite we'll get to receivers. They lost their top three, so that's a big deal as well. Um, but he would have had all those reps to himself, working with Xavier Valade, handing the ball off, doing different things they would have done. But he can throw it. That's the thing. Like, Chambers wasn't a bad quarterback. Like the Tulsa game, that stunk. They should have won. Tulsa wasn't very good. Like he moved the ball well. So we know he can. Quarterbacks can come in a million different ways. Donald Hammond, the third, like he was our player of the year last year, and he threw just enough Jared Sanders out there. But if you're going to throw like that, you got to be at least about 50%. Like if you go 6 of 10, fine. 
But, like, they were bottom six in completion percentage. They weren't very good, obviously, yards. Uh, who cares about total yards? That means nothing when they throw very little. It's going to be a challenge. Like, whenever football able to – however it's going to look like during the summer or fall, whenever they can come back, because teams are starting to come back pretty soon in June. But it's all the same voluntary stuff that would have gone on regardless. So mm-hmm. who knows if they'll be able to get – if the NCAA makes some grand announcement, hey, you can get an extra 10 practices or something – That'll that'll mean cha- that means Chambers would be healthy to prop- most likely participate because in the fall in fall camp he would have been going full board to pr- go and fight for the job. Pro- he'll I agree with you he'll probably be considered the number one guy, but he's not going to be like set in stone by any stretch. But like when you yeah. look at Williams did yeah he played Air Force was good last year he only went six of eleven. But look at the improve in a Georgia State they made a bowl game they you make a bowl game you're a pretty good team above average at least. 234 yards, yeah, he was under 50%. Three touchdowns, long as 63. And that, those couple of weeks, or yeah, one month essentially, to prepare, look how much better he did. Like his mm-hmm. QB rating was better. He got sacked one fewer times. He got to throw a lot more, which uh, well, I mean, offensive coaches, Craig Bull, got to see, hey, he can throw the ball. We're going to up the production throwing. And so I'm, if I'm leaning to a guy now, I would definitely lean toward Levi Williams because he can run. Not as good as Chambers, but he can run pretty well. 50-something yards in the in a TD and 79 versus Air Force. So like, it's not like he can't run. And he had a couple, three long plays over the season, almost 20 yards or more. So he can <laughs> run. Or excuse me, one is 19, close enough. But like, he can run the ball well, Matt. So wouldn't you rather have this guy who can run and be a threat to throw the ball where defenses can't pin on you despite having Xavier validate and then knowing the running, he still did that well? Imagine if they have to play a more traditional defense and you have Xavier who can run the ball well. You have Levi mm-hmm. Williams who can do a play action, RPO, or something like that. So defenses can't just stack the box and play single coverage. How much better could this team be? So I think Williams has to be the guy. I would think Williams is all going to be the – if I was a coach, I'd put Williams as my starter. I mean, I think it's a reasonable argument. What's your, who do you, th- who you lean in toward? Or what do you, what's your assessment of what they may or may not do? Or should do, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm always of the opinion that – you know, you should probably never lose your job because of injury. Mm-hmm. That's right. But at the same time, you know, I think if it seems like he's struggling early, you know, especially, you know, in September, let's say, you know, and they aren't you know, able to move the ball as efficiently as they could. That I think is something they'll want to keep a close eye on because if he's struggling out the gate, just not, you know, having the kind of success that they want him to have throwing the football, then, you know, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they decide to pull him. I, I we'll see. It's, it's also seems like the way they play, they're almost like two different positions, right? Because mm-hmm. he run, one runs the ball, one passes the ball. Well, we'll get to their schedule, but they got Weber State, which should be fine, but their offense is pretty good. They go to Louisiana, will be a t- tough game. They host Utah, which how that happened. They go to Ball State. Like, there's not time outside of the Weber game to go in and maybe split reps or split carries or whatever, split throws. We'll see, but it's a... That position will be one to watch. I here's the thing: I don't think they can go wrong either way, but I think Williams could get them an extra win or so where Chambers can't. Because imagine they're down like I know the Air Force can happen. But if you're down 10, 12, 14 points, let's say they're playing Utah, and we'll see. We'll get to that game a bit more. I watched it a lot. Like they lost a lot of talent. Utah's defense is some. They're similar. These two teams are similarly built. So when we get to it. If Wyoming's down 10 points, they can't just rely on running the ball with Sean Chambers. They've got to have some passing game to beat these teams. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm leaning toward Williams. Like, he gives you more ways to win. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the upside that I think is, you know, it shouldn't be overlooked is when you look at what they were able to do as far as, you know, avoiding sacks or not last year. If you just look at their overall sack rate, it doesn't seem all that impressive. Um, but one of the things that Chambers was really good at was avoiding sacks. Mm-hmm. And, and some of that was, had to do with the fact that they're running the ball two thirds of the time. But, you know, in the first half of the season, you know, he proved to be fairly elusive. And I think that that's a credit to his ability as a runner, his ability to kind of move the pocket, even if they aren't necessarily successful in, you know, in turning extended plays into moving mm-hmm. chains and things like that. That's something else that I think he deserved to get credit for, because when you compare what he did versus, you know, going back to the offensive struggle they had in November, that was when they had Tyler Vanderwall under center. Mm-hmm. And that's in a lot of those teams in that stretch, Boise State, Colorado State, New Mexico and stuff, they were able to really kind of tee off in a way that they a lot of teams early in the season hadn't been. So I think that's another thing worth watching and to see if, if Levi Williams can maintain that same kind of elusiveness, because I think that's really important to making this offense work. True. Yeah, it's uh, it, that is how it works and worked well. It'll be a competition to watch. I just don't like here's what you don't want to see. We talked about years ago in New Mexico, they bring in the passing quarterback. You can't do that here. That's not that's a recipe for failure, in my opinion. Like if it's no, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think, you know, you bring up the comparison to Air Force, and mm-hmm. I think we, we talk about it with triple option teams all the time. Because they take so many hits, you better have a good backup plan. Oh, yeah, obviously. So, you know, if Chambers is, is akin to Donald Hammond, then I think that, you know, Levi Williams would be somewhat akin to, like, a Mike Schmidt or an Isaiah Sanders or a Nate Romine. Or that, that, so it's not necessarily about, you know, QB1 and QB2 as much as it is QB1 and QB1A, if so, that makes sense. So you're telling me you're leaning towards Sean Chambers, right? I mean, if it were up to me, I would definitely give him the opportunity to to work with the ones and prove that, A, he's back to 100% health, but, you know, that he can improve as a passer in the early going. Yeah. Okay. Do we need to talk much about the running back situation at all? I mean, I think we do, if okay. only because, you know, obviously Xavier Valade was one of the conference's breakout stars last year, and he looks like he could be a workhorse if they need him to be. But I think the plan going into last year is probably the same as it is going into this year, where they don't necessarily want that to happen. So, you know, we mentioned the the injuries that they had to deal with last year. Running back was one of those units that was hit mm-hmm. hardest. You know, we mentioned Titus Swen and Trey Smith. Both of those guys are back. Mm-hmm. I expect both of those guys, even if they aren't necessarily, you know, taking turns having 10, 12 carries per game, that they're they're contributing, you know, six to eight carries per game and they're averaging five yards a carry. You know, doing their part, in other words, to, you know, keep this run-based offense moving, to be able to keep the chains moving. But even without those guys last year, let's not forget a guy like Brett Brenton, who even if he didn't see a ton of playing time, acquitted himself pretty well in the extended playing time that he got. So if all four of those guys are back, 
even if the passing game sputters here and there, I think if they have a committee like that that they can turn to and just say, okay, go out there and start smacking people on the mouth on first, second, and third down, it's hard to see a lot of complaints on that front anyway. I think, too, just, like, limit, limit, limiting, if I can speak, the amount of carries is fine. Like, it's yeah. what you want to do. Like, if he gets four to eight less per game, it's a depth issue. Like, he's six foot 196, decent size. But you get banged mm-hmm. up playing against the Utah defense, and Boise State, San Diego State, all these teams were playing this year. They'll take a toll on anybody back, and doing back-to-back number of carries he got will be tough. But get, yeah, if he gets fifty less carries over the year, it's about four a game, and you and Trey Smith or whoever's running the ball back there is within a half yard per carry. That's going to be fine. That's what it's just a way to not that you're saving him, but to uh, limit the uh, risk factor. Mm-hmm. But I think this running back position, like it's. Would you say it's probably the, possibly the best in the conference? It's in the conversation, at least, yeah. Like who, them and Air Force, anybody else who we think maybe, maybe Nevada? I mean, if we're talking about a group of running backs. Yeah, Boise has a couple of guys up there that I think are pretty good, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, I'd, I'd say, yeah, I mean, it's I, up there. It's think, good, really I, good. I think with the Cowboys in particular, you can't really talk about the running game without also talking about the offensive line. Of course. Because for for as explosive as, as Valade looked last year, you know, again, going back to the injury we mentioned at the onset, if they can get healthier on the line too, that could really only help because there are still definitely things that the offensive line could help improve upon. You know, for instance, they had a, a big drop off in opportunity rate, which is just essentially the getting runners to the next level. In 2018, they were in the top 50. You know, they had a 49.2 opportunity or 49.2% opportunity rate, excuse me. Last year, they were 103rd. You know, they fell to 43.6, which is not nothing. And, you know, even though they were in the top 50 by both power success rate and stuff rate, you have to think that more continuity, more cohesion can really only help that. Don't make so sense. whether it's Validate, whether it's Swin, like if those guys are healthy and opening up lines week in and week out, you know, again, this is another unit where what they lack in flash, they definitely make up for in depth because they've got, you know, pretty much everybody on the two deep coming back. And among those guys coming back, only Logan Harris and Alonzo Vasquez are seniors. You know, Keegan Kreider was a freshman All-American two years ago. He's still just a junior anchoring the middle of the line. And, you know, the guys you saw playing time last year, like Frank Crum, Rudy Stouffer, Zach Watts, who are going to be, you know, pr- protecting the quarterback's blind side. You know, they've got a pretty sound rotation that could be one of the better units in the conference by year's end if they can stay healthy. Yeah, it's always healthy, but they have options. They have experience. It'll be like... Look, like you said, look how good it was last year, and and they bring back the best runner the conference just about. It's going to be it's a unit of strength for them. And if you have mm-hmm. a great offensive line, a good run, one of the best running back, like the individual running back, it's Ronnie Rivers, him, Charles Williams, like uh, Kate Remsburg. There's some really good running backs in the conference. He's near the top. And then if you have whatever quarterbacks back there can is going to be protected. Whoever, whether it's Chambers or Williams, is going to be fine. The only weak spot, which we get to minutes, is wide receiver, which they rarely use. And so this offense, it's going to be, it's hard to say how much better it could be depending on the throwing game could be because it's hard to tell if it's Williams or Chambers. It's two different offenses. But with that line protecting everybody, it's got to be better. It may not show up at like 10 more points per game, but it could show up in being more efficient, fewer sacks, um, better opportunities instead of having third and seven, it's third and two more often. 
that could be where the mm-hmm. offense goes. And maybe that leads to three to five more points per game. But as we saw, like how many games they lost by a touchdown or less. And so receiving group before we go next, and they've lost their top three guys from last year, and they're and they're going to need to replace them. And it depends who's going to be a quarterback because at least who does rock, what Rocket Ishmael Jr., Austin Conway, and John Okwoli. Yeah, if, three if my math is if my math is correct, the Cowboys have forty four catches coming back as a team in twenty twenty. I think that's right. I was looking at something to start. And, your... and Xavier Valade leads all the returning pass catchers, as it were, with 11 catches. Yeah, that's... Uh... So, I mean, and it's not to say that it's... I mean, it, yes, it is a huge question mark, but it's also kind of a blank slate. That too. Because a lot, of, a lot of different guys got opportunities last year, especially late in the year. And I think you, those are the guys you start looking at most closely when you start thinking about, okay, well, who's going to step up and make an impact this year? And the two guys I look at in particular are Aiden Everhart and Gunnar Gentry. Because, you know, even though between the two of them, I think they only caught, what, 14 passes last year or something like that. Both of those guys averaged over 20 yards a catch. And while it's going to be be very, while it's going to be very difficult to do that again, you know, I think that kind of explosive element, you know, is something that could be a huge asset or a huge supplement to this running game if they can do it more consistently so i mean if they're even if they're out there averaging let's say 15 yards a catch you know you look at uh you know Raji bishmel jr who they're having to replace this year he only had 23 catches but he averaged over 15 yards a catch and i think that you're not necessarily looking for someone to go out there and be an all-conference performer right away i don't know if they have anybody like that on the roster at receiver but if they can go out there and, and play the role and be kind of the downfield threat, you know, maybe, you know, you mentioned Gerard Sanders a little bit ago. If they could be like Gerard Sanders light mm-hmm. for the Cowboys, I think that that might be all they need to be a really dangerous offense. That could, that, 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 that bodes well for other, if you see go Chambers, where he's like a third one mm-hmm. often. And so you're right. It's like, yeah. it's going to be a, a blank slate. It's a good thing, dude. They're all big receivers, too. All the guys coming back are six, two or bigger. And it also wouldn't surprise me, too, if, if, like we talked about with San Diego State last week, if they come out and run a lot of 12 personnel as well because, you know, Josh Harshman is moving on, but they're still loaded at tight end, too. You know, we, we talked a little bit about Nate Wyman and Jackson Marcotte last year. Both of those guys are 6'7 and 250 pounds easy. Both of them are back. And, oh, by the way, they brought in a three-star Juco tight end from Saddleback College in Colin O'Brien. So all of a sudden you're looking at three guys who could step up and you know, not only be an asset in the run game, but you know, be that sneaky kind of outlet pass catcher that when you look at, at Harshman's production last year, again, he only had 20 catches, but he averaged 13 yards catch. That might be all they need from that position. And, here's and one, that's an option that they could go with. And one thing as well, like they brought in a guy, Josh Cobbs, six, four, but here's what, yeah, new, we'll see what he can do. But new, here's what Craig Bull said. Like, what we find in Mountain West Conference, sometimes you can gain some mismatches when you have big physical wide receivers. Like he mentions, like there aren't these huge statuettes, statue type guys playing defensive back. As we know, if you have a six foot DB, that's kind of rare. These guys are a little bit smaller. And so if you can yeah. have two, three, five, a six, seven guy, you know what I mean? He might be guarded by a linebacker, but still, if you have that edge, four inches, 50, 20 pounds, that's going to make a, bi- a big difference. You get him on the sideline, you get those taller passes. The sort of kind of not necessarily phase, but kind of like this over the top soft touch passes, where it's or the jump balls or stuff like that. Like that's where they can get get it done. And going up against guys who are maybe five ten DBs, 
That's what he's recruiting. He's talked about a lot about. He says he's trading off a bit for speed, for size, which, okay, if you got the size, he just wants to have like a, a old, not old style, but like more of a, we see his offense pro style, tight ends, maybe a fullback in there, two running backs, two wideouts. He also doesn't, he's not going to run four wideouts out there at a time. And so he can rotate through two, maybe three occasionally and be fine. But that size is where he wants to take advantage. He's, he's not concerned about this team being up-tempo and fast-paced. He wants to run the ball a lot, hold on to the ball, and pa- basically pass as needed. And if you have these big guys, it's going to make passing game a lot easier when you're not having to rely on timing routes as much. You can kind of throw to a spot in the field where you know he's the only guy who's going to catch it. If it's a complete pass, that's all it is. There's nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's still their weakest unit, but the way they recruit and what they're doing, it's going to benefit them, I think. And Because the production, not to say it was bad, but it clearly wasn't good. Odds of it getting worse is pretty slim. So even if it stays exactly the same, that's pro- almost a bonus for them. I mean, it's like a positive if it stays with the similar catch rate, yards per game, yards per play. And so that's yeah. where I think if it's that stays that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, defense? Yeah. Uh, what are they going to do in defense here? They lost a couple guys in the NFL. Uh, like you mentioned, Logan Wilson's gone. Um, they've lost... Uh, what did you say? They have 11 returning guys on defense who are underclassmen now, or, or, or excuse me, upperclassmen compared to 40 something, 20 something? I mean, this is a, I mean, again, this is a, you know, obviously losing guys like Logan Wilson, Cash Malua, uh, you know, Elijah Halliburton, those are going to be big losses. But the, the closer you look at this roster and what they were able to accomplish outside of those three guys last year, this defense is, this defense is stacked. Yeah. It's good, and and they were and they were really good last year. So I mean, even if it's going to be really difficult to be as productive as they were, you know, with those stars that they're having to replace, you know, just to go down the line and what they were actually able to do last year, you know, their their six point four percent sack rate as a team was right around the national average. That could improve, you know, with more experience, especially up mm-hmm. front, which we'll talk about in a moment. But you know they were right in the conversation with San Diego State as being maybe the best front seven in the conference. They were sixth by defensive adjusted line yards per carry, second in defensive opportunity rate, 18th nationally in defensive stuff rate. And pretty much all of those guys are coming back. You know, Also, Ray Vontae um, Holt's coming back? Come on, man. Yeah, back from injury. They, they do lose Javari Jackson in the middle, which is going to be damaging. But, you know, again, up front, you know, you realize just – they didn't necessarily have a, a big star type of guy in the same way that they have had in the in the past, like a Carl Grand or something or something like that. But then again, you know, they could have the next Carl Granderson and the next Johanna Guy fan and the next, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the next Eddie Yarbrough, like all at once. Because you know, start with Solomon Bird, for instance. He, I think, was very quietly one of the more productive freshmen in the conference last year. He had nine and a half TFLs. That's the fifth most by any freshman defender in the conference in the last decade. And that's just one piece. You know, you go down the line, you know, Garrett crawls back. He's the the old man in the unit. He had six <laughs> TFLs. Yeah. He's probably going to be ready to take another step forward. You know, but next to him, Cole Godbout had six tackles for loss. Mario Mora in the middle had three and a half tackles for loss. Victor Jones behind him had three tackles for loss. So they were... I think a unit that was where the sum was greater than the, the the whole of its parts, if you will. 
Yeah. And again, they, there was a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores who are going to be stepping into more big time roles, but they're so deep where they're not going to have to count on one guy, I think, to be the man because they've got four or five guys who can get after running backs and get after the quarterback and stuff like that. Yeah, Bird was also a backup. It was All-American by Football Writers Association. And yeah. uh, what's his name? Ravante Holt, like Craig Bolson, he would have been their best interior lineman last year had he not torn his ACL. And so, so their, <laughs> it's pretty good. Their, their, new, their new defensive coordinator, Jay Savell, is going to have a lot of toys to work with up exactly, front. Exactly. Like, they have, like, they have guys, like, even despite the upper class that they had the past year, these guys in backup roles are still playing near starter level for their production. And so the defensive front will be good. Linebacker, we mentioned, like, who they've lost. Like, yeah, losing Logan Wilson is a big deal. He's probably their best defender in, what, two decades? If I'm thinking up there in a very long time. One of them, yeah. Yeah, I went to the Bengals. Was he the first pick in the third round? I think it was. Mm, Yeah. Like, top 100 pick, top 75 pick. Really good. Like, nobody thought Cash would have been drafted. Nobody thought two – well, I didn't think he would be drafted. But he got picked as well. That's a testament to his defense. Benefit of the doubt. Even new – they lost – this is what they're – Third DC in as many years, and their defense is expected to be just fine. And I mean that, that's really a, a <laughs> it's really a commendment to the kind of program that Craig Bowl has built. Yeah, and then secondary is probably um, a few issues because they're basically starting over at that spot. See, I don't think so. Yeah, you don't. Well, I mean, the, I mean, I mean, we could talk we could talk about the secondary first, but I think linebacker is the bigger mystery. Okay, what, what do you got linebacker then? Well, because obviously Wilson and Maluia are going to be big shoes to Mm -hmm. fill. And at least for right now, it seems like only one of the spots is going to be has a clear cut placement. And that's Chad Muma, who when you look at the depth charts that Wyoming was putting out there late last year, he was the backup at both spots. And if I remember correctly, Davis Mm -hmm. Potter had an article in the in the Star Tribune, I believe, um, talking about the different options that. Wyoming has in replacing the other spot, which is not to say that they don't have options there too, but that is like, like we talked about with wide receiver, that's kind of the other big mystery. I think that this team has is who's that other guy going to be because they've, they had guys who saw time on special teams, for instance, you know, Charles Hicks and Ray Raybu. Um, you know, those guys played in a handful of games. So did Shea Suianua, who I believe is a former three-star recruit. You know, and then they had Brendan, uh, excuse me, Brennan Cutterer, who mm-hmm. saw playing time in three games last year. So one of those guys is probably going to be, you know, the starter on week one. You know, it's hard to say that they're going to have a, a committee to handle one spot. But it's just a matter of figuring out who that guy is. I think it's going to be just as important as figuring out who the primary pass catchers are going to be on offense. But yeah, you're placing like... Any team that loses two guys drafted in the NFL are going to have issues, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Not issues, I but mean, con- yeah. Conversely, though, I think the secondary is still in pretty good shape because, yeah, they lose Tyler Hall and they lose Halliburton. Well, and transfer, but- as of the other day, um, shoot, I sat in front of me. They had a, guy, a freshman go to the portal. Um, who was it? Mm-hmm. Shoot, I sat here. Ah, where'd it go? I mean, they, mm-hmm. I would say they've still shoot. got at least three-fifths of a pretty good secondary because they've still got Keon Blank and Baker holding down the nickel back spot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Azizi uh, Hearn saw playing time for most of last year, and he acquitted himself pretty well opposite a Hall. And they do have C.J. Colden coming back. I think he's probably one of the bigger wild cards on the team just because, you know, he played really well 
in the first few weeks last year, but his biggest issue has just been staying healthy. He's been knocked out with season-ending injuries each of the last two years. But you know, if if he can stay upright and stay on the field, I think he could be a potentially huge asset for them. And you know, Rome Weber, I think, locks up at least one of the safety spots. It's kind of an open question as to who the other guy is going to be. My guess is it's probably someone like Asias Grandy or excuse me, Gandy. Um, but I mean, they have options. And I think that most of the pieces that were at least solid contributors last year, the fact that they're coming back, I think is a comfort for, you know, Jay Sawville and company on the back end. I think it's still not going to be particularly easy to throw against this team. Because it bugged me. I defined the name is Jerome Cooper. Oh, yes. Sorry, I was going to do like I saw it this morning. I'm lit because it's something going to mention when you're replacing so much. So he freshman, who knows how much he would have contributed or played, but he did enter the portal. So um, it's it's going to be a concern because look who they play. Okay, if you want to give it, if it's a big concern or not, when you look at their schedule, especially just kind of division play, they have uh, Air Force doesn't throw very much. It'll be it could be an issue versus Colorado State and Boise State. We talk about the two divisional games they play. Like, will it be an issue versus UNLV? Probably not as much. San Diego State, no. Um, Utah State, uh, they'll have a bunch of receivers, new quarterback. They're going to run the ball more than I think. So, if, even with breaking new guys, it's a fine year to do it when who you're playing, most more, more often than not, doesn't have a an elite passing game. So, that'll come back to help them a little bit with these uh, newer guys or replacing high-end guys from last year. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking for one thing for them to improve upon in particular, it's just, you know, the new guys especially are going to have to prove that they can get their hands on balls in the same way that the guys they're replacing did. Because, you know, Keon Blankenbaker had 10 passes defended last year. Tyler Hall had eight. But then you kind of go down the line, you know, Logan Wilson had seven on his own, for instance. And, And the guys on the back end, like, you know, Hearn and Weber only had four apiece. You know, just obviously interceptions are one of those things where it's really hard to predict how they're going to be from year to year. Mm-hmm. But it's worth reminding everybody that as a team, they had 12 interceptions uh, last year and nine of those are gone. You know, Wilson, Maluia, Halliburton and Hall. The guys who are left are going to have to prove that they can continue creating opportunities for themselves because, you know, one of the things that most strongly correlates from year to year success is the ability to get hands on footballs in the passing game? So, is that? I assume that's both our biggest concern, right? Like it'll be fine, but there are issues just if teams can take advantage of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where if they fall off, that could have an effect on the defense as a whole because I I do expect them to be as close or as close as they can be to being really tough to run against as they were last year. But, you know, if they are easier to throw against, then that might be the kind of thing that, you know, ultimately likes, makes life tougher for everybody on the defensive side of the ball. All right. So where do you think their defense will be within the conference? You're pretty high on what I, I saw on my, but I think you're even more high than me on them being a great defense. Where do you think? I, mean, that- I think if, on a per play basis, I guess, if they're outside of the top four, I think that would be really disappointing. So you think they'll be at least a top four defense overall for the most I part? So. Okay. I think that's fair because... So you put in that category San Diego State, mm-hmm. um, what Boise State? Yeah, I think so. Who's the next team? Then Utah State? I don't know. Who's that fourth team? I, I'd say that's, I'd say top three then if we if we started to say. So all right, let's. Uh, that's fine. They're going to be a good defense regardless. Um, what do what do we got? Special teams. They lose uh, Cooper Roth, and that's about it, right? 
Well, no, they're kind of they're kind of losing everybody. Oh, I meant um, to, I meant... you know Ryan Galovich graduated as well. Oh, Tim Zaleski, I think retired due to medical issues. Oh, I must have missed so, a few things. Sorry, folks. <laughs> so again, they they have options on the roster. The one guy I think is going to be under the most scrutiny is the transfer from Cornell, Nick Knoll, who coincidentally enough handled both punts and kickoffs and field goal tries for the Big Red. You know, he didn't have that many opportunities. He was only six of eight last year, but he did have a long of 49, if I remember correctly. As a punter, he's probably got work to do because he only averaged 39 and a half yards per punt last year. So it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's easy to forget just how rough the special teams were before Roth got there. And, you know, like we just talked about with the, with the defensive backs and being able to get their hands on footballs, you know, it's another one, of the, another one of those things where if you can't control field position or if you can't convert those opportunities when you get them, you know, that is another thing that could have a compounding impact on the defense. You know, so I think there's going to be you know, whoever wins those roles are going to be under a lot of pressure to at least, you know, if they can't be 100 percent of what Roth and Galovich were to at least be in the neighborhood. Well, you can't have special teams be complete waste it has to be actually pretty good so because we've seen teams in the past uh can't kick field goals um bad punt return kick return losing one of the best yeah. kickers ever is hard to do so that's going to be an issue with them but like exactly. I, I must have missed looked this team like austin conway's obviously gone returning kicks and punts but it's just an area where you got to find like finding a decent return guy and a punt return guy kick return guy just pick one of your receivers the backup running back they'll be fine but you don't want to have a guy where you can't rely, especially as offense. Like here, th- like think of this situation: you're at your uh, thirty-two yard line, so at thirty yard line, let's go thirty because you don't have Cooper. It's like okay, it's a long field goal, and it's third and eight. It's like you don't, you may not have a passing quarterback. What are you going to do? You're going to run the ball, get two yards, and give him a, a kick that's 37, 38. That's still, you know, what I mean, reason or not thirty-seven, like forty something. If you're at the thirty yard line, that's would be a forty-seven yard kick, and it's mm-hmm. third and eight. That those situations you don't want to be in it because okay, do we pass for eight yards, try to get a first down eight plus? We don't get it. We have a forty-seven yard field goal, or we try to run and we get five yards. We're still at a forty-plus yard field goal. So you got to find it, it. All goes together. You can't just say you got to have a good kicker. You got to have a, a like it all. It's you know, getting that all goes together. You don't want to be put in those situations where are we going to go for a fourth down because or we don't trust our kicker or it's an inexperienced kicker. So you got to have some guys at least. Decent, which getting a transfer guy in should help be helpful instead of a freshman. But it's those situations you don't want to, as a coach, what play call you're doing because you don't have a kicker you can rely on. Exactly. And so we'll we'll just know when you have a new guy out there playing at this level, we'll see what he can do. But it's special teams. I downplay it probably more than I should, but it's an important area of the game because if you here's the thing, I think what I think this way sums it up. You if you're bad at it. People notice it drastically. If you're just okay, nobody cares. But if you're really good, it's like, oh, good, you got a good special teams. If you're really, really good, you know what I mean. It's one of those spots yeah, where mean, we've we've seen how good special teams can make a difference in you know for a team that tends to play a lot of close games. Yeah, you really don't have to look any further than San Diego State, which you talked about last week. Mm-hmm. They've got one of the better special teams. They, they had one of the better special teams units in the country last year. And so they're kind of in that same boat, if not necessarily to the same extent that Wyoming is. Yeah, it's like, especially with them, like, the way they play defensively, if the offense could get stopped because they don't pass, you want a good punting unit to be able to clear it out if, if your offense kind of stumbles because the running game gets picked up like the Air Force game where 
Xavier Valade didn't even lead the team in rushing. And so yeah. you want to have that kind of the out card where you're able to go do those type of things to help out your whatever unit next gets the ball or doesn't get the ball. So it, it'll we'll see how it goes. But should we get to uh, – is it schedule time? Let's do it. I do like how, how Wyoming schedules, as do you, as do most people. I think they play pretty good teams. They got Weber State, which they should win versus Weber State. However, Weber State has – I was looking up like the uh, Athlon and Hero Sports are like a top five team in both of those. Athlon, they're ranked third. They have three All-Americans, including Josh Davis, who's a really, 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 really good running back. I think he's headed into mm-hmm. his junior year, I want to say. But they have three All-Americans on this team. And so it may not be a 6-0 victory like it was last year, Weber State, San Diego State. But this team, you cannot take them lightly. Because if you're, like, we see who North Dakota State plays. Like, they're the elite. And they're beating Kansas. They're beating all these teams, Kansas State. Like, yeah. Weber State, not there at that level, but if this team is as good as people are saying right behind North Dakota State, like, Wyoming yeah. better, better be on alert for this matchup and not take them lightly at all. Yeah, if all you remember from last year is 6-0, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let, don't overlook the fact that they were a national semifinalist last year. Yeah, they've been you know, in the playoffs. James, James Madison, who's one of the better FCS teams in the country, and, and Weber State is one of the best FCS teams in the country. You know, according to Athlon Sports, who Third. just released their preseason top 25, they're number three. Mm-hmm. And they have a trio of preseason All-Americans. You mentioned the running back, Davis. But, you know, they have an All-American kicker and Trey Tuttle. They have offensive lineman. You know, offensive lineman and Ty Whitworth. And, you know, they've got talent basically all across the board on both sides of the football. So, yeah, if Wyoming is slow out the gate, I'm not going to say that they're going to lose this game. But they absolutely could win the, lose this game if they aren't ready for it. It'll test their secondary because Weber State and coach head coach Jay Hill they want to throw the ball and score points, yeah. even with the running back they have. And so it's it's like you said, it's like it's a, if you look at kind of where teams are ranked, these two, it's like should Weber State win? No, could they? Yes, but I'm surprised they do. Mildly surprised. Like mm-hmm. I'm not putting this in my toss up category by any stretch, but Weber State's good enough to go in and beat a Wyoming team who's replaced a lot in defense when Weber State's strength is its offense. Yes, but I think we're both picking uh, victories, right? Yes. Okay, good. All right, then they go to at Louisiana. Not mm-hmm. – what is this what – is this the Raging Cajun? There's two Louisianas. This is technically Louisiana and Lafayette, correct? Uh, yes, but don't call them that. They so, will get say, very upset. Can I call them – It's like calling – it's like it's like saying Nevada <laughs> Reno. You don't do it. Yeah, but the Louisiana Lafayette thing is very recent too. Yes. Can I call them ULL? Is that acceptable? I don't think it is anymore. <laughs> So just Louisiana. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure our friends over at Forgotten Five will, will chide us if we're getting any of this wrong. But I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Louisiana wants us to just call them Louisiana. At this I'm, point. All, I'm only half kidding. I knew most of that, anyways. I was just curious if what it was. But yeah, Louisiana Rage Occasion. Um, just out of the get go, I have this as a toss up game because first off, it's on the road. They are a top fifty. I, are they the highest rank? Uh, okay, this is gonna hurt me if I'm wrong. In my research. They're in the Sun Belt, right? They are. <laughs> okay, yes. good. I, I'm like, there's two. Okay. They are one of the high. I think they're right behind App State. So the number two Sun Belt team, top 50 SP plus. It's on the road. It's a team that's returning enough talent. And they, I'm, I'm assuming this is not to take a knock at any uh, Wyoming uh, fandom, but they're probably not looking at the Louisiana Raging Cages at the moment. They're probably saying, oh, it's a Sun Belt team. We should win it, beat this team, right, Matt? Do you think that's what they're saying? Well, you, you can be forgiven for not paying enough a lot of attention to the Sun Belt. I, I'm, but, there, I'm there too. I'm just saying. 
you know, but again, this is this is a team that is very, very good. You know, last year they were the Sun Belt runners up. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, they're right now the odds on favorite to win the conference this year. I think they're up there. They're um, in App State. Yeah. And, you know, they, they could be a dark horse, you know, group of five Stop it. contender in the Stop same, it. In the, in the same way that App State it. was last year. Yeah. Because they've got a lot of pieces coming back on both sides of the ball. I think, you know, like we just talked about with Weber State, when you look at the Cajuns, a lot of their biggest talents are on the offensive side of the ball. Because they might have the conference's best quarterback in Levi Lewis, mm-hmm. you know, completed sixty-four percent of his passes, twenty-six touchdowns against four interceptions last year, and they've got one of the better running back tandems in the group of five in Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis, who combined for three hundred and fourteen carries last year, and averaged nearly six point three yards per carry. Twenty-seven touchdowns so, between the two. That's pretty good. <laughs> so this is a this is a team that can absolutely light up the Cowboys if they aren't ready. They their running game forty two touchdowns last year, thirty. Yes. They had ten thousand. They had like not seven thousand total yards offense. Mm-hmm. They are a solid team that people should not take their gut. Here's they're one. one of, they're one of the, they're one of the best teams in the group of five yeah. this year mm-hmm. on paper. The sack, sack rate. What do you think about fifteen sacks allowed? That's pretty good. Like mm-hmm. this will be a huge test for both of these teams. Like Wyoming's defense going up against a team that will. Pass and they are losing Raymond Calias who had 886 rushing yards, but they have a guy like Chris Smith. I think he's coming back. Let me double check here. 10 yards a carry on 30 carries. He's a freshman. Yes, he's back this year. I'm making sure on that. But this is offense where this could this will be a game where if Wyoming doesn't slow them down early on, it could get out of hand and they could lose by two touchdowns. Because exactly. I don't think Wyoming's offense, as I mentioned before, is not capable of. They're more of an academy team. You know what I mean? Like they're an academy plus team. I'd like maybe that's a new term. I'll put academy plus, or they might be able to throw a bit more and run the ball well. But they're not a team that, if they need to score in a hurry or need to score, say they're down thirteen points with six minutes left and they don't have the ball, mm-hmm. they're not winning that game at all. Mm-hmm. And so that's where they need to come up and stand their ground and stop this offense early on and then whoever's at quarterback and that's hard why it's going to be hard to predict some of these games too Matt because we I think we both fully expect if it's Williams quarterback they're going to throw more if it's not they're going to be running more chambers so that's impact Mm -hmm. as well Um, but this is going to be like an offense this could be one of the better offenses they face all year long absolutely I don't think that's a stretch like they got Utah on the schedule he does offense replaces a lot Boise State's going to have a pretty good offense. They got CSU. I think we agree their offense will be good, but this will be a probably top three to four offense they play all year. So what do you got? It's a toss-up. I'm going loss in this one. I mean, honestly, I don't think it's a toss-up. I Ooh, think Louisiana is going to win this one pretty handily. Ooh, okay. Maybe am I being too nice by saying toss-up? Well, I mean, just you mentioned the fact that they were a top fifty team by SP plus. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put it out there and say that you know this game and the next game at home versus Utah, the win probability is twenty four percent and twenty two percent respectively for yeah. Wyoming. Okay, I see. I saw, I noticed that too. I just, I just I like the Wyoming defense. What can I say? That's reasonable. Here's what I do say: I would probably like doing that win percentage, even though I'm a Utah guy. I went to University of Utah. I like my Utes. I would. Uh, I'm honestly surprised um, the win percentage. Um, actually, no, I'm not surprised. No, I was looking at it backwards. I was going to say I'd give them a better chance to beat to beat Utah, and Louisiana. No, I do. No, sorry, I, I can't read that, Matt. 
I would give them at home versus Utah a better chance of beating Louisiana Lafayette. Not, should, not, I cede, should I cede the floor to you since we're talking about the Utes? Sure, we can. All I'm saying is that I think even if it's at home, I'd give them a better chance despite being done. Here's the thing about Utah, which you, you've seen Utah play Fresno State and other teams in the past couple years. Uh, Utah loses, let's see, um, Zach Moss are running back to the Buffalo Bills. They have a, a new quarterback. They literally have no wide receivers I would trust. They have a pretty good tight end, really good tight end. They lost, I want to say, nine defensive starters gone multiple ones in the nfl oh and they may not have their defensive coordinator for a racist slur racist slur he said seven years ago maybe more than once so there are some nice. issues with utah that happened but similar as i mentioned they're similar to wyoming matt with kyle woodingham there defense has always been really good and it's going to be really good it's just that they're replacing a lot of guys they've had the most draft picks in the pac 12 in the past two years combined um their quarterback it's going to be either Cam Rising from Texas, transfer, been with the team the past year. Jake Bentley, who came during spring grad transfer, he hasn't been able to play. Running back, we'll see. Like It's a team that it'll be a low-scoring game. This will be mere images of each other's team, I think, essentially in kind of what they normally want to do. Mm-hmm. I would – I would like if I'm giving the edge, like these defenses, they're, I honestly might give Wyoming the edge a little bit, a, a little bit of the edge. Athletically, no. Utah's going to have better athletes, I think. But with what Wyoming's coming back – this is going to be a low-scoring game. I, if this is going to be similar. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Utah were, were going to lose this game to Wyoming. I could see Wyoming winning this game. There are ways it could be done. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to pick them. I think Utah will win. But it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be a game where, because Utah will probably be a top 25 team, I'm assuming top 20. Um, they got BYU to, let me see, I'm not sure they play. They got BYU to open a schedule. Probably should beat them again, but this could this will be a home game for Wyoming playing like a top fifteen team possibly, and it's yeah. a game they can win. And I'm not just saying that. Like I seen what Utah has done: no quarterback, no running back, wide receivers you don't trust. It's like, come on, what what do they have to do unless they're going to win like ten to three, which what the final score could be either way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true, huh? I'm just saying that that's what I that's what I'm feeling about this game. It's a game where. It's a winnable game for Wyoming. I don't think I'm not sure they will, but I would not be shocked if the Cowboys upset the Utes. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think it is possible that they beat the Utes, but I don't right now. I don't expect them to. That's how that's how I'm feeling as well. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a bad look for the Pac-12, but whatever. What else is new? They got really quick. Utah got has not got. Jeez, that's terrible English. Um, Utah, BYU, and then Montana State. So they could be two and zero, eighteenth team in the country, and lose to Wyoming ten to ten to six. That would be really funny. I'm not gonna lie. I, like I'm not. I think it could happen. Utah, That's the outcome I think everybody wants to see. Even if I don't think it's the likeliest outcome to happen. What do you think the likeliest outcome to happen is? I think it's probably like a 17 to 10 fist fight. Yeah, let's let's in the same neighborhood. Either way. Yeah. I should I should I label this as a toss up? I have not. That is entirely up to you. I'm gonna. I'm typing it right now. Toss up. That's, All right then. That's bold. Is that bold to say toss up? I think maybe a touch, yeah. A touch, but we're all we're both saying it could be like a one score game. That's true. So we'll see how it goes. I know you tell this on Britton Covey, but he's been misused and has stumbled in special teams, like returning kicks. He'll be like, uh, if you want to think he's kind of like uh, John Hightower a little bit, but nowhere near as good as John Hightower for what he can mm-hmm. do. Those type of things. That's what they want to use him as. But like Utah, we don't know like all their skill positions. The main positions we don't know. The one thing I would say about Utah running game has been actually pretty good the past six years. Like Devontae Booker with uh, Zach Moss, both guys in the NFL. 
maybe they'll have the Knicks there step up and play and be at be nearly as good. But we'll see. This will be the tough, the, their biggest toughest test on defense the first three weeks. But I still go with Utah because overall talent and what they have for. Uh, I'll take Kyle Woodenham over Craig Bowles, my head coach, and like most people, what I mm-hmm. think, right? So yeah, at this point, Wyoming has a loss, so for me, they're one and two. You're what are you at one and two as well? Yes. Okay, then you go to Ball State. I like how they put. They're going to the Eastern Time Zone when it's barely in the Eastern Time Zone. Barely still counts. And, okay, it barely counts. Matt, come on. <laughs> but yeah, Ball State from the MAC, who um, who's typically not very good, but this year their expectations for them to be pretty good. Which is they were they were this close, and I'm and I'm holding my my thumb <laughs> and my index finger together to making a bowl game last year. They were. And, you know, the reason that they didn't was, you know, one of the things they still have to improve upon is their fortunes in close games. You know, under their head coach, they're 5-11 and 11 in one-score games over the last few years. But they're a team on the rise, mm-hmm. and they could be a dark horse contender for the MacWest title. So if you have never paid attention to the Cardinals, I think you can be forgiven. I think this might be the first time Ball State has ever faced a Mountain West opponent. I'm not sure about that. Because I'm looking on mcube.net because they have like, you know, team records versus conferences. And I'm not seeing anything for the Mountain West. So, again, if you've ever, if you've never given a, a thought to Ball State, it's probably not a huge deal. But again, this is the kind of team where, you know, even if they aren't the greatest team in the world, even if they aren't like the odds on favorite to win the MAC, this is a team that could sneak up and, and, and surprise Wyoming if they're not careful because. You know, I think you start with their quarterback, Drew Plitt, who, again, like we just talked about a minute ago with Levi Lewis in the Sun Belt, could be the Mac's best quarterback this year. And they have one half of their running back tandem coming back from last year and killed Huntley. He averaged over five yards carry. They've got a very deep group of young linebackers who took their licks, but, all, you know, three of the four coming back that had at least seven and a half TFLs last year. They've got an all Mac cornerback in in uh, Antonio Phillips and another one in Amici Uzodinma, the second, who probably should have been because he led the conference in with 12 passes defended and was tied for first with five interceptions. I don't know why he wasn't an all-max selection. He was a second team. That is uh, no clue. Did you mention the running back, Caleb Huntley? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. make it sure. I just saw him scrolling through. I'm like, there's some pretty good, there's some good talent on this team. So, you know, this is a, a program that you know, kind of like Wyoming has had its kind of its false starts. You know, it's, it wasn't as though Mike knew the coach was starting from nothing in the same way that Craig Bull was, but it's been kind of that, you know, one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But this could be the year 2020 where all the pieces, if all the pieces are in place, if everybody stays healthy, they could make a run at something. And so it's, again, like we talked about with Weber state, it's, not the kind of team you want to take lightly. So let me ask you this. Who has a tougher three-game schedule? Ball State hosts Maine, goes to Michigan, goes to Indiana. Then you have Weber State at Louisiana, home to Utah. Which one's tougher headed into that game? Ooh, that's close. That's what I'm saying. That's a really good and, question. Part of bringing that up, they go to Michigan week before, to, or excuse me, Indiana-Michigan back-to-back road games. Not that they're far road games. Indiana's in mm-hmm. Bloom, Bloom, whatever Bloomings, whatever city they're in was the I was gonna say Bloomingdale's, but that's a that's a department store. Indiana's <laughs> in Bloomington. Bloomington, not Bloomingdale's exactly. But 
it's a nearby game, but they're playing two Power 5 teams. Michigan should be usually pretty good. Indiana, new... Um, David, they still have um, they have a new coach, or is it still the same coach there? No, they still have Tom Allen, but they do have a new offensive the, coordinator, because Keelan DeBoer's back at Fresno State. Yeah, and this is the OC. For some reason, I was thinking head coach. I think Kevin Wilson, but he's not there anymore. That's what I was thinking of. But yeah. those two back-to-back, they're both on the road. There could be getting beat up a little bit, maybe. This is going to be an underrated, entertaining game, I think. And this yes. could be a game where you look at the offensive firepower that have come back for Ball State. This will be another big test for the Wyoming defense in this game. Um, but I'm taking. I'm, I don't think Wyoming's going to lose three in a row, so I have them as a close victor over Ball State. Yeah, this is going to be a very competitive game, one way or the other. But I also have the Cowboys winning this one. All right, then they go conference play at UNLV. That's going to be at Allegiant Stadium. That's a victory, right? I think so. Yes. I think so. Ooh. Why? Why think so? Well, no, I'm just saying, I mean, I think that's the most likely. Oh, okay. okay. It's making I was up. probably overstating that a little bit. I was like, I wait mean, a minute. To, to me, though, you know, if you want to start talking about Wyoming as being a conference contender, Aztecs, maybe. it's the next two games that are going to make or break that possibility. Because they get two home games in a row, at home against San Diego State, at home against Air Force. Yeah, this will be, the these two games could determine their place in the conference overall. Like, you're right. Like, they go... They host San Diego State, which we'll get to. Oh, we did get to last week. Sorry. We go back. If you didn't listen to that one, go listen to that for more in-depth about the Aztecs. But new quarterback, uh, running game. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, new coach, um, receiving. We know the, all the same traits. It'll be a defensive battle in this, this, this game. But it's at mm-hmm. home. It's, what is it, mid-October, this game, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, not the Halloween game. But it's a game where it's going to be a difference of them playing Ball State and Louisiana it's going to be more like the Utah game a little bit where it's going to be more of a defensive, lower-scoring type of game. And it all depends for if Wyoming can stop whatever running attacks San Diego State brings toward them. Yeah. But I'm going to victory for Wyoming in this one at home. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to our Aztecs podcast, you already know I have this one penciled in as a Cowboys loss. And why is that again? Just so the Cowboys fans know why you hate them? Well, I mean, I and this <laughs> again, again, this is not to say that you know, I, I'm not going to be shocked if Wyoming wins this game. Clearly, but but given the questions that I have about the Cowboys' offense, and you know, again, I go back and listen to our Aztecs podcast because I do have similar kinds of questions about the Aztecs' offense as well. But I do think that if it devolves into a defensive fist fight, you know, in the same way that we talked about with Utah a minute ago, that you know, we kind of know that San Diego State. Or at least on paper, looks like they could be a touch more opportunistic. You know, they, the, the type of team more likely to force a mistake and capitalize it. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's the kind of thing that this game comes down to, then that's probably something that goes into San Diego State's favor. But again, you know, over the last few years, going back to the championship game and the game that they played, the classic in, in 2016 in the regular season, probably a close game either way. Yeah, I think it'll be one of the one of the more hotly anticipated games that I've got penciled on my calendar all season long. Yeah, I think later on this sub we're going to do our top ten conference and non-conference games, and this guy has to be up there, right? Like you said. Yeah. All right, next game, which could also join the list: Wyoming hosting Air Force. Because mm-hmm. last year it was a what twenty-two, am I correct? Twenty to six loss for uh, Wyoming last year, final game of the year. Yes. You had Levi Williams starting. You had Xavier Valde get shut down. He didn't even lead the team in rushing. It was uh, the quarterback. So Falcons shut him down that way, which was a pretty big shock. But with this type of a game, it's going to be 
not mirror image, but this, this is going to be a quick game, folks. So make sure you're ready to watch it live. And yeah. <laughs> no need to add extra time to the DVR if you're going to be out and about. So this will be a lot of running, uh, clearly, for both sides of the ball. Both teams will be doing this. Um, this will be a good quarterback matchup with uh, Donald Hammond and whoever Wyoming brings out. The difference, I guess, if I'm getting the edge, it's got to be to the Wyoming defense a little bit. And it's just them trying to shut down. But they have a tough task shutting down Donald Hammond, Kata Remsburg, who's coming back one of the best running backs in the conference. It's gonna, it's just going to come down to kind of what normally is for Air Force. Is that can they keep, which I hate to have stereotypes and do the same thing over and over, but it's, it's what they do. They want to run the ball and keep it away. And they're going to have to chip away at this at this defense. Well, I mean, they may not get those big 10, 20, 30, 40 plus yard runs they like to get with this offense. They may have to do the three yards here, six yards here, eight yards here, and just get right about their average or below and just keep the ball and score because they're not, I don't think they're going to be able to break through and have these huge type of gains against this Wyoming defense. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think the question is who's going to get better quarterback play in this game? And if you were putting it to me right now in early June, we're recording on June 7th. Mm-hmm. Come on. I'd give the nod to Air Force. Obviously, clearly. He's going to and be really good, obviously, Donald Hammond III. And I mean, you know, we'll talk about this more at length when we get to that podcast. I don't think that Air Force is going to be as efficient as they were last year. That That is a very, very, very high bar to clear. And they're having to replace a lot of key pieces on defense themselves. But, you know, I again, like we just talked about with San Diego State a moment ago, I just I have questions about the offense's ability to put things together. So, well, what, wait, why is that? Me, because they me, have the offensive line back, two of the best guys in the country, the group of five or draft guys. Best no, no, I'm talking about Wyoming. Oh, sorry. I'm oh, I'm like, wait a minute. We're talking about Air Force here. Never mind. I apologize. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of see this one unfolding in the same way. Like, I think it'll be competitive, but if it were up to me, I would trust Air Force to be able to put together one or two more scoring drives. So even if it's a relatively low scoring game, like, a I don't know, a 20 to 14 game or something like that, I would give the edge to the Falcons. And that's why I have them winning this one. I have them winning as well, partly because well, I was playing tough asset team week before and you want to go with the best player in the field. And my point is making what you said. Sorry, for some reason I thought you said Air Force about those things, but the line's great for Air Force. We'll get to mention running game. Donald Hammond, I'll just probably say it right now. He's not. He may not be number one on my top fifty list overall, but he's sure as heck going to be my offensive player of the year in the preseason. So mm-hmm. there's that. And so that's kind of why I'm going with Air Force for the victory. And then another game, the Border War at CSU, which we've already talked about prior in our first uh, series of the podcast. If you know what I picked, I'm picking Wyoming to win this game. Not because Same. not because the Rams are going to keep losing rivalry games. It's just because I trust more what the uh, what this Wyoming team can do defensively, even with the Rams going to have. This is going to test that Cowboys secondary quite a bit with Warren Jackson, Dante Wright, Nate Craig Myers, Patrick O'Brien, likely the quarterback there. That'll be a big test. But as we know, Matt Colorado State's defense isn't that great, and Wyoming's probably just going to run at will against them. I guess we'll see. All right, Utah State at home. In, in Laramie, this is a late game. This is starting the November stretch, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. So they get Air, excuse me, uh, Utah State at home. Utah State, we'll get to, again. We'll, we're rushing through these a little bit just because we'll do more in depth. We don't want to break down every single game in late November. But remember, I'll say it every week: Jalen Warren could be a really good running back. Uh, Henry Columbia's a quarterback who we saw a lot two years ago. Not as much last year with Utah State not being as uh, 
dominant, I should say. Uh, defense loses guys like Tippa Galea, David Woodward. So Utah State's kind of a, almost a rebuilding for this year. There's a reason why, like, those odds makers might have them, like, maybe just above New Mexico in the conference. You know what I mean? Like, near the bottom. I don't think they're mm-hmm. that bad, but I don't think they could beat Wyoming or break through this defense the Cowboys are presenting. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really – I mean, again, like with San Diego State, this is another game where in recent years – tended to be pretty hotly contested. You know, over the last three seasons, this is a game that's been decided by one score, you know, including last year where Utah State won this game. But, you know, you look at what the Aggies are having to replace on offense. Yikes. To me, I, I kind of have questions about their how efficient they're going to be breaking in so many new pieces on that side of the ball. And if it comes down to not necessarily being as mistake prone, but not as efficient as they have been in the couple, past couple of years, that's the kind of thing that might give Wyoming the edge. And that's why I have the Cowboys winning that one. Yeah, I have them winning as well. Just basically echoing what you said as well. There's too much to replace. Could it be better by then? Yes. But as what we know right now, first week of June, I'm going to take the Cowboys. And then they have, which could be another game, the Nevada game on the road. It's um, We'll get to Wolfpack as all of these we do to keep repeating. But... Wolfpack are one of the better teams out west. It's like them at San Diego State, maybe Hawaii, maybe Hawaii. I think could be that mix. But Nevada goes in the road. The uh, quarterback play is something that they have that other Western teams don't. So you bring back Carson Strong. They do have talent to it. Like they have the tools to go up against this team. But I just don't think their defense is. Good. It's like it's a common theme. Like can the defense stop Xavier Valade? And my answer is going to be emphatically no against any team they play. He'll get his nearly every single game. Maybe once or twice he doesn't get it, like the Air Force game last year. But I don't see the Wyoming defense. Like, they have some pretty good guys, like Don Peterson and stuff. But they, I don't think they have enough to be able to slow down if Wyoming yeah, just I was gonna say I was going to say that the Wolfpack didn't last year. That's I for know. sure. That's my point. Yeah, they, they could run the ball. So it's <laughs> you, like, you forget run. that You forget Valaday had 280 yards of total offense in that game last year. So just do that again, right? Just put a repeat. Watch the game film. Okay, we'll do this play, this play, and this play. So that's why I'm winning. I'm going to pick it because Nevada. This could be a a game where Wyoming has to keep pace a little bit. Like I think Nevada mm-hmm. could score points against any team. May not be as many versus Wyoming, but they'll have enough chances, enough points to make Wyoming earn and work for the victory. But if Valley even has half those yards at 140, that's still a really good game. And that's why I'm going with the Wolfpack for the not to win. Sorry, Wyoming to get the victory there. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we'll talk about it more when we get to the Wolfpack. I think when you look at this matchup last year. It was one of those games where you know Nevada got to where they were in part because they were really lucky in close games, and despite just having some absolute clunkers on both sides of the ball, and that's really what happened in last year's Wyoming game. The offense just was not able to put it together all the way. You know they made mistakes, they just weren't able to finish drives, and Wyoming was able to really lean on his strengths and run away with things. But again, the equation's changed. You know, Nevada's got one of the more experienced offenses coming back in the conference this year. And against a defense that might be able to defend the run pretty well, but has some questions, uh, some uh, some standing questions about being able to defend the pass as effectively as they did last year. You know, again, I I expect Nevada to be able to take a step forward and to be able to hold serve at home, particularly against this defense. So again, another competitive game, I think. But I would give this one to the Wolfpack. Yeah, well, all these games, like, if you look at the percentage, like, win probability from SP Plus and Bill C, it's like, there's a lot of 40% games on here. Last we're going to say this every week. 
the Mountain West is going to be really hard to figure out this year. Yeah, and if we're right, hope you take your money to Vegas or something that works. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see because I might do the same or I might be afraid to. But uh, so yeah, that's a tough one too. Like Nevada game, like they give it a, basically a toss up 54, 54% to win on the road. Then yeah. they go to Boise State, which I was looking at, I'm like, should I pick them to beat Boise State? And I went back to history, like they've only beaten them like once in the past like five or six tries, and it was a close game. And Bush State's going to clearly be our favorites at home, so it gives helps Wyoming a little bit. But I don't know if I could take Wyoming to beat them until they do it like more than once every decade. You know what I mean? Like I know we shouldn't look at historical numbers too much, especially when they go back more than like two or three years. But if you look what kind of a Boise State has, like clearly Hank Bachmeyer is going to be there. Hopefully he's healthy because I don't want to get hurt because it's never fun when you have backups playing and stuff. And they have to replace some guys. They have like Kittle Shakir, receiver. They have like George Solani running the ball. They have a good base coming back on this team. They do lose a lot on defense, but it's like they never – when they even, even when they lose talent, it seems like it's almost – the same almost whoever stepping up you know what I mean it may not be like a one predict one particular person taking over for Curtis Weaver or David Moa but it could be like four guys who have that same production that come up where the drop off if if it's there it's not much at all and so that's mm. kind of why it's hard to take Wyoming to win this game they could it'll be I think it could be a close one it should be a close one because the defense but I ain't surprised they're only be, their projected margin of victory is almost 12 point or excuse me 11.4 points for Boise that seems high because this is the game where it's their third least likely game to win overall. So yeah, what do you got? What do you think about? It? Like, I, are you good? Make I mean, what are you taking? What do you got? I mean, Hawaii or not Hawaii? Wyoming's definitely been a thorn in Boise State's side more often than not over the mm-hmm. past several years. Yeah, and you know, I think we haven't really talked about it, but you know, Boise State is the kind of the last example of the fact that you know. If Wyoming puts things together, they've got the home schedule mm-hmm. to steal the Mountain West to, to steal the Mountain West title, division title, all, division title, yeah, and to be able to you know maybe even host the championship game again because they've got all of their tough, pretty much all of their toughest games at home in War Memorial Stadium. You're right, yeah. Utah, San Diego State, Air Force, Boise State, so. Again, I, I think that they've definitely got a chance because they weren't at 100% last year and they nearly stole it on the road. Mm-hmm. Overtime think, game last year, too. Remember that. This one's overtime. But I do have Boise State winning this one again. Anything particular reason why, besides saying, oh, Boise State's always so good, anything you're looking at to say why they'd get to victory? I just wonder I wonder about the offense. You know, because even mm-hmm. when even when the offense was healthy last year, they were often kind of frustrating. And that was, you know, you, you look at the, uh, the non-conference games in particular, you know, Tulsa, Texas state, where these are games that they probably should have won more convincingly, or, or at least in the case of Tulsa should have yeah, won. Good to win. And, you know, that was with Sean Chambers and Valaday and, you know, Logan Wilson, all the rest of the stars we talked about. So it's it's not as though Boise State's going to be infallible. You know, I think every team in the Mountain West has at least one or two significant questions they're going to have to address. But they're a lot closer to you know being a more complete team, I'd say, than Wyoming is. So again, I, I'm not going to say that Boise State's going to go in and blow them out by any stretch. 
But I do think on paper, Boise State should have the edge this time around again. Here's the thing I tried to say. They had overtime victory for Boise State. They had Chase Court as a starting quarterback. He was mm-hmm. not, not very good. 190, a pick a TD. They couldn't run the ball to save their life. And so, and Vanderwall, who's not an amazing thrower for Wyoming, had his best game of the year, uh, just about 15 23, 160, no TDs. Valaday ran for 124, ran extremely well overall, needed a lot of carries to get there. And so, so to me, it seems like it's going to be clear. It's up to Wyoming's defense, but it, again, it's hard to tell. If it's, cha- like, if it's Chambers or Williams, who do I give the edge to to win? Probably Williams because he could throw the ball better. And so that's why I'm always leaning to him at the moment to be the number one guy. And if it's Chambers, maybe they just run him to death because Boise wasn't great last year in this game running the ball or running stopping the run because Vanderwall, whatever, in minus yards or whatever, had a touchdown run. But it's going to be, at least in this game right now, where – Boise's offense is going to struggle to get the victory if they're going to do it. So it really could come down to, like you mentioned, what Wyoming's offense shows up and how Boise's defense reacts to whoever shows up. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm predicting the loss here, but those home games, I have Wyoming going 1-3 in those home games. Utah, yeah. Air Force, Boise State, only beating San Diego State. And then they wrap up with New Mexico, which is a victory, right? Yes, I think so. So I have Wyoming going 8-4, Losing two conference games, that'd be what six and two in conference. Not going to win the division because I have two. Co- both those losses are in division conference, intra division conference losses. So yeah, what's your I have them at six, six and six, four and four in conference. Yeah, four and four. That's a tough one, man. There, this is a team where I was looking at before. Like I had a nine and three. I'm like, like when you look at the win probability and stuff, they're barely like fifty fifty to get a bowl win. But I think they may have a decent swing. Like, if I'm looking at who I have for wins and losses, like, could they beat Louisiana? Yeah. Could they beat Utah? Possibly. But then they could also lose to Ball State. They could lose to San Diego State. But they could beat Air Force. Could they lose to Colorado State? Like, I put in our DMs to our group. And, like, we kind of mentioned where we'll get to it later. But, like, the way the Mountain Division is much more stronger, the West Division winner probably is going to host, I think. There's a good chance they could host because of how down the West Division is overall, I'm thinking. Compared to CSU could knock off one team. Wyoming could knock off Air Force. Boise knock off this team. Like Wyoming could beat this team. Like there could be a bunch of losses. Like I could see the the Mountain Division winner being six and two across the board. Mm-hmm. I don't, and maybe even I don't think five and three is pretty unremarkable unless CSU steps up and overachieves. But this is a division where it's going to be tough every week. And at Wyoming, you're right, has a schedule to do it at home. I'm just not sure if they will. But could I see them winning only six games? Possibly. Like, I could see them losing to Ball State and San Diego State. Like, I think a bowl game's going to happen, but there's a range where they yeah, I mean, six to nine wins I'm, is probably where I'm seeing them out of the best. And nine's pushing it, I think. I kind of feel like I might be hedging really hard on the Cowboys because, you know, it's the kind of thing where, you know, if the offense sputters, they could end up losing a lot of close games that they would otherwise win. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you, if you think of it in terms of, like, percentiles, let's say, if this Cowboys team hits their 80th percentile, I think they could win 10 games and win the division. If they hit like their 99th percentile, if everything goes right, this is the team that could be playing on New Year's Day. What? Really? Because, because, I, because I think they have the schedule to do it. So if you think it New Year's Day, so that means you're probably... That's if everything goes right and they run the table, which again, it's, it's, it's a long shot. You know, did, by SP plus, they don't even give them a chance to go twelve and zero. Come on, Bill, what are you a, doing? They Nothing? give them a one a point one percent chance to win eleven games, but 
you know, and it's asking a lot, but I think the potential is is there. I'm not saying it's the most likely outcome by any stretch, but you know, if they win all those home games, if they can go on the road and prove that they can beat quality teams like Nevada, like Louisiana, yeah, they could. Interesting. That's that's pretty bold there, Matt. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like I think that the ceiling is really high for this team. I, I agree with everything you. Everything comes together. I did one Even point. If most things come together. I think it's going to be maybe their best year since like what 1996. You didn't get went kid. to the WAC championship game or something Wait, like that. If not for a last second noticeable timeout by a BYU guy after they got the first down, they would have won that game. <laughs> exactly. So and and that's what I'm saying. Like I think the potential is there, but you know, um, even if they don't hit the mark entirely this year going back to what we talked about at the very beginning this is not their only shot to do this because they're going to have pretty much everybody coming back next year too Mm -hmm. and again that's a testament to what craig bowl has built that they can be competitive that they give themselves the chance to compete year in and year out and again you you never know how they're going to create those breaks if they're going to be able to take advantage of those breaks but that's the kind of situation that Wyoming's put themselves in, and I think that that's a pretty good place to be in, all things considered. That is pretty good. But you have them at six and six, you're saying? I have them at six. Okay, and six. I just want to repeat that again. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bring it up six and six, but hey, it's New Year's Day is not, not going to surprise me if they win eight games. If they win ten games, though, yeah, I, I think because I had trouble too. I'm like, I'm thinking like, could they beat Louisiana? Yeah, they probably could. Could they beat Utah? There's a chance, a decent, a possibility. It's at home. Can they beat like? Every game on the schedule, like I hate saying this and makes think we're just big old homers for whoever, but there's no team on this schedule who I'm gonna say a hundred percent definitively Wyoming has zero chance against. Like no chance. Yeah, they're they're, they're not tilting at any like top ten teams this time. No, around. yeah, they don't have Oregon, they're not playing Texas when they were good. Like they're not playing these amazing teams. Washington State a couple years ago. Like their their schedule is Utah's the closest thing. But I don't think Utah's going to end up like they were last year, top 15. Maybe, like, if, if we're going to look at the end of the year, they'll probably face two top 25 teams by the time we're talking in January. And that'll be Utah and probably Boise State. Yeah. Maybe Air Force, maybe San Diego State, but I'd lean toward those two teams who've done it more often than not. And so that's exactly. a good schedule, but not an amazing schedule. Nothing that's like if you're a team like 18, ranked 18th in an AP poll, 18 to 40 is almost the same. There's not much difference between that many teams. Like, it's pretty close, I would say. There's not a huge difference. So, that's where we end here. I got one eight for you. You have the teams. They have them six and six. We'll be back next week. Um, yeah, we'll have some sort of show. We're, we need to discuss offline, Matt, if we're doing another team show or kind of like a monthly wrap, like we just said. we got to check our schedule. But we'll cre- clearly be back next week. So, check out uh, MWR.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your Wyoming friends that we think they can go undefeated, or at least Matt can. <laughs> because he said that's a possibility that there's a chance they could be playing on January, which would be amazing. That'd be awesome if they could do it. Cause that'd be pretty cool for any team, particularly one, I mean, who hasn't had that type of success in a long time. But we'll be back next time. And yeah, just check us out at MWR.com. We'll see you then, folks.